Welcome to episode 19 of Crossroads of Destiny and Avatar The Last Airbender Universe podcast. Right now, we just finished talking about season one of Avatar The Last Airbender. We're about to talk about something different for a bit. Um, <laughs> I am Chad Hopkins, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Andrew and Melanie Grant. How's it going, guys? Going all right. Pretty good. Good. Yeah, we're getting close to Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, so Melanie's been working on the baby's costumes. Yep. And uh, I went to Joanne's Fabrics earlier today to start looking at my costume. What have you decided? You're doing something different. Yeah, I'm doing something different. We'll talk about it another time. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's not Avatar related this year. We're excited about the season and uh, ready to talk more Avatar now, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that we are not talking about the show this week. Gotta rip this Band-Aid off. (laughs) Oh my goodness. We are talking about... The Last Airbender, which is the M. Night Shyamalan supposed adaptation of <laughs> the TV series. And it should be said, like this could, this could sum it up. We watched this three weeks ago. And was then it three weeks? It might have been two. Okay. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure you're right. But I think it was three. Wow. It was three weeks ago. And we literally have been able to do the process. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it sometime. <laughs> we, we had some detox time. Yeah, Andrew, how about you give us some insight into your notes while watching the movie? <laughs> Went. I just I just told them that I I promised myself I wouldn't write anything anything but positive notes in my in my notebook while we were watching. And it's blank. It's blank. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. I had nothing I had nothing good to say about this movie. Yeah. I'm looking at his notebook right now and he's got a page that says Avatar TLA movie at the top and then it's blank below that. It's just there's there's nothing there. Literally nothing. <laughs> well, I, I, I wrote a few notes. Now, this is going to be an interesting episode. One, because uh, we've been talking very positively about the show Yeah. and we're not going to be talking as positively about the movie, but also because I have a movie podcast where the whole point of the movie podcast is to talk about movies positively. Yeah. And this, this is this thankfully is not, not that show, <laughs> not that show, <laughs> but I do, I do think it would be somewhat fun since both of you guys uh, have been on Cinescope mm-hmm. as well, uh, to sort of frame the discussion in the same way, um, not in a positive way, but okay. like in the same categories, like we, yeah, we'll, yeah, 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 we'll yeah. go through it like we normally would a Cinescope movie. Mm-hmm. So let's just start off. We're g- going to go straight into it. This is The Last Airbender. It was directed and written by M. Night Shyamalan. Presumably based on season one of Avatar The Last Airbender. That's like the nicest way you could possibly say that. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. There are definitely some similar story points. Anyways, <laughs> it was released on July 1st of 2010, so right after Andrew and I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, why did you say that? You're welcome. The music... Let's talk about the high point. The music yeah. is by James Newton Howard. I great. would say that is probably the best thing we can say about the whole movie. Yeah, James Gobble Newton Howard is up. great. I actually bought the soundtrack after we watched it and listened mm-hmm. to it at work a little bit during some of my free moments. It's really nice. And then the cast, which we're, I'm sure we're going to have things to say about this as well. Mm. It stars Noah Ringer as Ong. <laughs> Why did you do it? <laughs> because they did it. Why did you do we're that? committing to the bit. Uh, Nicola Pelt as Katara. Jackson Rathbone as Soka. <laughs> you can't, you can't do this anymore. Well, I think those are that's the 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 biggest discrepancies in the name. What about Uncle Eero? Oh, oh. That's right. That I found out. Okay, so I'll, I'll continue. Dev Patel as Zuko, Sean Tube as Eero, Asif Mandvi as Zhao, Seychelle Gabriel 
or Gabriel, I'm not sure, as Yue, and Cliff Curtis as Fire Lord Ozai. So back to Iroh for a second. Mm-hmm. If you recall, very at the beginning of our podcast, I would occasionally mm-hmm. call him Uncle Iroh. Mm-hmm. And I did not know if that, I, I thought it, it was just something I came up with. Like, I don't know why. Maybe like read like you know sometimes when you're reading things and you say like something Herm- a certain Hermione. yeah exactly Hermione yeah. you say something in your head a certain way and you don't know it's wrong until you hear it the right way and then it's still a hard habit to break. My sister did that with Carlisle. Mm-hmm. She for the life of her could not figure it out how to say Carlisle. Carlise. She used to say Carlisi mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess that I might have picked up Eero from this movie because that is how they pronounce it in the movie. And uh, I, was, I was not aware. But thankfully, it's mm-hmm. a habit that I broke. Yeah. There you go. And yeah. I think I gave you side eyes every time you said it because I was just like, it didn't sit right with me and I couldn't tell why. Yeah, there's definitely a person who is in a movie discussion group with me who had listened to the podcast and was like, why are you saying Iroh wrong? <laughs> and I was like, oh. Oh, right. Didn't Sorry, even yes. realize. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, fam. Yeah, so... Anyways, name discrepancies aside, let's let's tip of the iceberg. Let's talk first about our first experience. Um, so this is more of an Andrew and I question, just because we had prior experience with this movie mm-hmm. uh, before now. So Andrew, do you remember like what yes. the hype going into <laughs> the <laughs> hype going into the movie might have been for you, or like initial reactions or anything like I that? I knew that there were. I was very interested to go see. The last Airbender movie, uh-huh. um, because I had obviously been—I hadn't watched it probably for about a year before the movie came out. But um, obviously, around 2005, I was definitely into it very much. So 2006, 2007, and so by the time the movie came out, obviously, like if I caught it on Nickelodeon or whatever, I would—I would watch an episode or two. But it was very much so like out of context at this point. Like I would randomly start and book three and then the next time i saw it we would be back at you know in the middle of book one or something like that so it was like you know i just kind of kept on and watched when i could whatever i could um but i was definitely very interested in going to see this movie i don't recall too many other people i knew very interested in it because they were just like what is what is what is all this and so i was very excited for it did not have too much disdain for m night Shyamalan at the time I developed that very quickly afterward. Well, I would say Shyamalan's movies in general were definitely for a higher age group than ours. True, true. And I think at that time I had seen Signs and maybe The Village. I think uh, The Lady in the Water was a big one. I remember the same time. I never have seen Lady in the Water, but I remember trailers for it as a kid. Right. Um, It's pretty terrible. Yeah. All of them are kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it is like... You're not entirely sure if you're picking up story points or if it's just kind of random nonsense Mm -hmm. until it all comes into full picture at the end, which is kind of like Shyamalan's thing. Like, you're not entirely sure what kind of pieces of the puzzle you're looking at until he tries to, like, shove them all together in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, he's known for the twist or whatever at the end. Right. So when he took on something to literally just tell a story Mm -hmm. that already had interesting plot points and twists and things in it it was very interesting the way the whole story unfolded because i think we even picked up on a few of them again didn't really make any notes of what they were but we're like two kind of distant plot points were kind of shoved together Mm -hmm. i think one of the bigger ones was in like the 
Northern Air Temple or something like that, where it was supposed to be where the Earth Kingdom guy had made a bunch of weapons for the Fire Nation. Right. Um, but instead, it was like the Southern Air Temple with the Hall of the Avatars. Yeah, yeah, they said it. And so they kind, of, they kind of combined the separate air temples together. Right. And that was that was weird. But it just kind of continues that, where, you know, you can take some creative license to make sure that you're moving the plot point through, or, the you know, moving along the storyline. But I think there was a little bit too much deviation especially with those who already knew the story made it that much more confusing. Mm -hmm. And then for those who didn't know the story were just as lost. So it doesn't really, it didn't, none of it made sense for the, for the end user, essentially for the, for the, the person watching the film Mm -hmm. where the plots kind of deviated. Didn't make sense. If you knew the, if you knew the series or if you didn't know the series, like it was just confusing in general. So I think that's where I lost a lot of, I don't know if respect is the right word, but I I definitely did not enjoy the movie because of, of that main point. And it just seemed strange to like, you know, you always have that thing where those who quote unquote read the books and then watch the movies, there's always going to be these kind of discrepancies. They can't tell the full beefy story of mm-hmm. uh, of a book and the amount of time it takes to to make a movie mm-hmm. so a lot of things are implied or there are a lot of things are visual or there's some kind of monologue over the top a narration which he uses all of but i think he uses all of them poorly still right. um i mean you're literally monologuing over something that's actively happening and it's not like more in more detailed monologue. It's like we approach the Council of Elders at the North Pole as they're approaching the Council of Elders at the North Pole. Like you can kind of take in that they're approaching some kind of leadership. Mm-hmm. Now, if they were like to, I don't know, give us their names, who they were, that would be more more relevant monologue, more relevant narration than literally describing what's actively happening on screen. <laughs> like it wasn't helpful dialogue. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's just too many times where that happened, where it hurt my soul <laughs> if I'm being entirely honest. But I, in terms of the first time watching it, it, it just kind of, I think my initial reaction was just like, what is happening? So did you see it in the theaters when it first came out? Or no, I guess maybe lo- not long after, like maybe on cable TV or something. I went to theaters to see it. Okay. I remember seeing it in the big screen. Where, what town I was in, couldn't tell you. <laughs> I I, I might have been in one of the first movies I saw in Lubbock, if it was still out at that point. But it was, again, those last weeks of our high school year, or senior year of high school were bogus so i can't tell you when it would have happened or not but i i'm pretty sure i saw it in in theaters so i mean as far as my first experience with this goes we've talked about my history with the series i didn't grow up with avatar in the same way that you did i was aware of it and i definitely seen a few episodes i remember seeing an early teaser trailer for this movie and actually really being interested in it because uh, the i don't remember if it was like a, a san diego comic con specific trailer or if it was just I don't know how, how early in the process it was, but it was Aang in a tower. This isn't something that appears in the movie, but it was Aang in a tower, and it was like he was practicing airbending forms 
in a room that was filled with candles, lit candles. Mm -hmm. And he would do a movement and then he would use his airbending to blow out a small section of the candles. And then he would do it again to another section. It was just like one section at a time. It was kind of weak airbending. But then all of a sudden he did this huge move and it blew out all of them at once. And then we zoomed out from the tower and, oh, look, here comes the Fire Nation. And there's the Armada that we, we see in the movie. And that's the trailer I remember seeing. I was like, oh, not bad. Looks cool. I mean, sure, yeah, the arrow design is a little bit weird on this kid. Whatever. Yeah. But I, I remember... It wasn't weird. It was stupid. <laughs> I, I, I remember thinking this could be okay. But again, that was from a somewhat outsider perspective at the time. I didn't properly watch through the series until after this movie had come out and mm-hmm. we were in college. Mm-hmm. And by that point, I mean, the movie's reputation preceded itself. Yeah. And so yeah. even once I had watched Avatar The Last Airbender and prioritized it and fallen in love with the show, I was like, well, why would I watch the movie? <laughs> because I don't want to put myself through that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't remember when exactly I actually watched it. It would have been on Netflix because I know it was on Netflix at some point if it's not still on Netflix. And it was pretty bad. It lived up to the reputation. I never cared for it. I was like, okay, well, that was a fun movie to never watch again. (laughs) And uh, well, here I am hosting a podcast where we've watched it again. And not only that, I watched it two times just because I, I always watch things ahead of time to prepare some discussion. But anyways, I don't know when I will next watch it. Now, all of that said, Melanie, do you have just like some initial first impressions now that you've seen it? I really didn't want you guys to be right. <laughs> you get, If there was something that was pretty consistent throughout this first initial process of us doing this podcast was you're super excited about the show. Really, really couldn't wait for me to kind of experience it with you guys and how much you both hated this movie. Yeah, right. That I was mean, even when we brought it up initially, we were like, hold on. Don't dog on it. Let her make her own decision. But it like every time, every time y'all couldn't help it. And we could tell, we could tell also that you didn't want to believe us or maybe you didn't fully believe Mm -mm. how bad it was, but your, your reaction, I mean, it was pretty clear. It was pretty terrible. It was, (laughs) yeah, I mean, yeah, there was, we, I tried really hard to, I'm telling you to like curb my opinion about it because i didn't want to be that bugging you of like andrew hates this so well you know me Let's and those see. of you who don't know me that was actually more fuel to find that the was good. more fuel to my fire <laughs> mm-hmm. so um yeah I I, after a while i was just like no it's pretty bad like i don't i really i really wanted to not hate it mainly because find some redeeming quality something right? i wanted a little bit of something which we ended up saying it earlier was the soundtrack for this Mm -hmm. movie was actually really really cool and i think i remember asking you towards the end of it i was like who who does it because it the score itself was kind of kind of amazing i liked it a lot Mm -hmm. um and that's when you told me who it was but and no yeah there's nothing there was nothing else about this movie that was that great having said that for either of you was there any aside from the music anything like one positive thing like one moment that you can say you know that wasn't that bad i was about to say that basically anything that didn't have to do with the actual acting or storytelling of the movie was actually of pretty high quality so like some of the the set design design, cinematography uh, yeah cinematography um costume design in fact i would say the costume design I don't know if it was because of the actors themselves 
or because of how well the costumes were, I felt like the costumes sometimes did more acting Mm -hmm. than the actors themselves did. Like it was like you recognize someone because of their costume more than their actual like appearance on screen. I will say that any kind of bending besides very, very select scenes were garbage. Yeah. Um, so I won't, I won't give visual effects any, any love, but well, let's mention like the couple of small moments that I thought were decent bending. The, the very beginning of the movie opens with a, TV show like opening sequence where we see some bending, Mm -hmm. there's some elements moving around. It's even in front of the background that we get from the TV show. And I I wrote in my notes, that is not that bad. Yeah. It's not that bad. And then when Katara first comes on scene, she has the floating orb of water. Budget went out. (laughs) But but the opening, that opening title, not too bad. It's just echoing the TV show. So, I mean, at least they did something that was exactly like the TV show. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... There's the moment where they're breaking out Haru and his father from the camp. It's it's based on the, the imprisoned episode. The camp that's episode. supposed to be in the middle of the ocean yeah. on an iron ship with that, no, yeah. that no earth just, around them. That's yeah. something we could talk about, too. It's just the disconnect. Yeah, the logic there doesn't make any sense. But there was, and this isn't a good bending moment because it's actually pretty laughable, but we've talked while talking about the show about moments when we have synchronized bending, like a group of people doing actions together and how cool that is. It's watching them manipulate the earth, for example, as a a group. And we get a moment of that in that fight where there's a group of these earthbenders who have this synchronized movement. It's like, oh, this is going to be really awesome. And then a single small rock flies across the screen. Not a stone. It is a small rock. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was like an opportunity for something really, really cool. And it was like set up really well. But then a rock flies across the screen. Like you almost expected them to do something like uh, how they catch Iroh in the hot springs where like you have the earth kind of like come up and and, and encapsulate people essentially. Mm -hmm. Or them to create a huge wall or something since there's so many of them moving things. And And then when you just see this little like... It almost felt like there was just like some intern with a rock on a on a fishing rod, kind of like moving the rock across the street. Yeah. Too. Like it was it was small, it was weird, and it was just so anticlimactic with the amount of effort that was going into moving. The one other somewhat positive thing I I really want to say before we dive into the specifics of why it's not so good, rather than just completely trash on it. Right. They have the whole bending source. Thing that's kind of crap where the the firebenders have to have a flame on hand in order to firebend right um, and then it's like amazing that iroh can do it right by himself well that that's the one aspect i want to praise i hate the whole bending source idea in general because it's completely not the way it works in the show but because they did it i like the fact that iroh is the Stood one out. Yeah. who can so i mean at least they made him special in some way. They don't hype up the whole dragon of the West thing like they do in the show. Right. Cause even up to this point in the show, we haven't really seen what Iroh can do. Yeah. Potentially. Yep. We saw him look scary for a second. Or, in the yeah, of the or North. why he's called the dragon of the West. Right. Or what kind of real like power comes from that. To, like why right. that he's actually called that and things like we don't know any of that information. And in the movie, we weren't going to get that information either. Right. But because they did do the whole bending source thing mm-hmm. and because Iroh is so in tune spiritually with himself and with the, the world around him, I like that if they did that, Iroh was the one who could yeah. bend without source fire. So praise where praises do yeah. a slight praise. But other than that, if you're going to tell this version of the story, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So that aside, let's go ahead and let's talk about characters and I guess why they don't work and how they're adapted. So starting off with Aang, I don't know if they could have picked a more joyless, funless Mm -hmm. actor Mm -hmm. to play that character. Little boy. He's just not good. And I, I looked up his filmography as we were watching the movie, and I think he's had like two things prior to that and nothing after this movie. I'm pretty sure the only other major film he was in was Cowboys and Aliens. That's what it was. also not a great movie, but at least that one's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is fun. It I've is never seen movie, it. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think they, you, or maybe you had said it, the reason why um, he was sought after for this is because of his love for martial arts. Yeah, he studied Taekwondo, and supposedly he used to shave his head to keep himself cool during his workouts, and he had the nickname Avatar. Oh, yeah. And so that's not why he got the role. He auditioned out of a whole bunch of people and got the role, but it was like... Well, I kind of look like the character already. You don't have to put in a whole lot of extra effort. I think one of the first things I noticed whenever I he came onto screen, and you've already mentioned it too, was his stupid arrow. I hated it. Yeah. yeah. The little symbols. And I was like, that's not what he's supposed to look like. And then there's several. I mean, I'm notorious for, like, that's not how, what the book said. <laughs> I, I do that all the time. But, I mean, there were so many different things happening that it was just like, this isn't even remotely the same movie. Mm-hmm. I think they, and they, not even to, down to the names. They couldn't even pronounce the dang names the right way. So, I don't know. It was just very interesting. He was not very good. It was like line feeding the whole time for him. And that aside, I mean, he wasn't written well in the movie because ang in the movie like here, here's a specific story point ang in the tv show ran away because he was scared of the responsibility of being avatar he he, he yeah he was he was, yeah. he was scared of what that meant for his life in the movie it's like well i wanted a family and i can't have a family if i'm the avatar and maybe that's a small piece of ang's actual mentality or his actual desire but really the the whole family aspect wasn't what Aang was after in the TV show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to, to make that like his main focal point, it was like they were trying to set up him and Katara as a thing right off the bat, as more serious than they started off in the show because they're kids. Right. I No, it, yeah, it absolutely didn't make any sense. It, it would have made more sense for him to be like, but I was just a kid and they were taking away my future because mm-hmm. that's different. Right. Like, they were going to basically write my life for me. And that's a different argument than they said I couldn't have a family. Mm-hmm. Because Aang didn't want, well, he didn't mention ever that need or want or desire for a family. He doesn't really understand the concept of family mm-hmm. because he lives in a nomadic society where there really isn't a familial structure. Mm-hmm. To what they do so this kind of emphasis on family for an air nomad in general is just weird it's it's wrong right but it would have been a different way if they were saying they were taking away my future i was a child lean on that because the, the 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 entire first season of avatar heavily focuses on the fact that he's a kid right and in fact there's several little funny one-offs where it's just like 
but you can't do this. So you're just a boy. Like, so are you like, right. <laughs> like yeah. between Zuko. And like, and I want to go like, ride the koi fish. Let, let, right. who, who cares that I have to go save the world? I want to go ride the koi fish. first. Yes. I mean, cause, cause in a child's mind, that may, that is a logical sense of, of yeah. way to do things like, yeah, that is something I have to do, but that's like two weeks from now. Right. Let's <laughs> go ride a koi fish. Like yeah. it, it, that didn't transfer. No, there, there's no there's fun. almost none of that in the movie. Mm-hmm. He is a serious little boy who's like bitter at his his past and that's why he ran away, that he was angry and bitter and everything like that. Not that he was terrified, not that he had no idea what he was doing and and didn't want the know, responsibility didn't, or any didn't of that. Didn't want that responsibility shoved on him, mm-hmm. which all makes sense. Mm-hmm. But this overhearing that I can't have a family, so I'm going to run away because they're going to, they're going to take my future away yeah, at the age of twelve. Like what? <laughs> Tell me what twelve year old like, boy is worried about I was that? Just right. Like, I wanted to be a dad at a young age, like since a young age. I didn't want to be a dad at a young age. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a different thing. <laughs> since a young age, I was very interested in the concept of fatherhood. How yeah. about I'll phrase it okay. that way? I still wasn't twelve though. Right. I was like fourteen or fifteen. And I was just like, hmm, I, I definitely want to have a family. Like, that's something I definitely want to have for right. my life. 12? 12-year-old Andrew? <laughs> no idea. No no idea where his head was at when it came to a family. Because it's not something that's on your mind as a 12-year-old. Yeah. So, uh, so... <laughs> moving on to another character. <laughs> Let's say, Noah Ringer, you were not great at the acting part, but at least you did that that Taekwondo really good. You, you do your You did your martial arts. Man. <laughs> Going on to Katara, this, no. is, this is really interesting because I'm, I'm looking here at the Wikipedia page and Nim Night Shyamalan said that he did not want to make The Last Airbender without Nicola Peltz. He said, I said that only once before in my career, and that was when I met Haley, as in Haley Joel Osment, in the Sixth Sense auditions. And everybody and so, knows how amazing he was yeah. in that movie. He yeah. was so good. Yeah, he was great in that movie. And so what did he see in this girl who looks more likely to cry than actual Katara at every single point in the movie? Single moment, man. The it, wind changed and she was ready to go into a bottling session. I swear. It was it was really strange. And it, it comes almost across as whiny, whereas in the show it was more heartfelt emotion. Yeah. Heartfelt or matriarchal or passionate. Something. Yeah, something. There was there was, she I was think so this, strong. This, this is kind of the thing that will that will basically be the the complaint with almost every single character copy pasta across the board, is that he took what a TV show typically struggles with, which is making multidimensional characters and made them one dimensional. Mm-hmm. He took away a lot of Katara's empathy mm-hmm. and passion and just made her that simping little girl, like that crybaby, essentially. Mm-hmm. They took away Aang's playfulness and childlike love of life mm-hmm. and made him this like serious little boy who's determined to be the avatar which is something we see in the avatar series Mm -hmm. but it's not the only thing we see and in fact it's hardly what we see it's something that comes around every now and again something that just came to my thought sorry to interrupt but since you said it 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 came to me one other positive about ang's character i kind of like the 
I, I didn't like the character himself, but I like the arc that they sort of set up for Aang, where the movie was about him, him in the end deciding, okay, I accept your role as the Avatar, or I accept my role as the Avatar, as your Avatar. Because remember, the, the whole story was like, they bowed to me, but I didn't bow back. And that's when he ran away. And then at the end, they bow to him after they've won the, the Battle of the North. Uh-huh. And they bow to him, and he bows back. And he's like, oh, this is me accepting the role. I kind of kind of a little bit like that because ang in the show went on that journey it was just very different right and because you see that second thing as he runs off in a storm again Mm -hmm. and he actually gets himself inside the bubble again Mm -hmm. (laughs) sorry i'm thinking about how he came out out of the ice in the beginning of the movie yeah (laughs) (laughs) so bad i'm so sorry how you don't remember do not hit that sphere it was just not good. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were talking about Aang specifically. No, that whole scene no, no, it specifically. Was, it was a hundred percent cringe. I was just making. I was just trying to figure out if there was something else there. But what we so instead of like this bowing moment or whatever, and him yeah. accepting or whatever, we see him faced with the exact same scenario where he ran off the first time and chose not to. Yeah. So I mean, yes, I see that they. They did it differently, mm-hmm. and then the outcome was still the same. So yes, I yeah. guess that. And when you think of like thread is still there. A movie versus a TV show. Uh, that the that decision was a focus of a specific episode of the TV show. It was the storm, mm-hmm. and with the film, you you can have that same arc, but it, that that you can't have all the same little mini arcs that you have for the TV show. Yeah. So, so to make that his focus of this movie, and presumably if they had gotten a sequel, to make it something a little bit more. Right. I don't mind that so much. Just wanted to throw out a couple more positives Mm -hmm, while mm -hmm. I have them. Yeah. In the midst of all the the criticism. Mm -hmm. Okay. So going back to Katara, did you have more to say about? No, I was just going to start rattling off on, on other characters because I mean, you see it with, um, especially with Soka. Oh, because Jackson Rothbone was not the character for that. He's a goob Mm -hmm. in the series. Like, Yes, he has this, like, I'm a man mentality kind of thing. Like, I'm going to do it because I'm a best. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, sit down, sir. You're fine. But he's a goop. He messes things up. He gets covered in God knows what at every turn that he can get, covered in water, covered in oppa slobber and things like that. Like, all of, like, I don't, we haven't quite made it to cactus juice, but there's cactus juice. And... That is like that is Sokka, mm-hmm. but also warrior. Like, and then when they like get rid of all of the gooberness, it takes so much fun out of the movie. Sokka was almost as angry in this movie as Zuko was. Yeah, almost more so. <laughs> I was just like, y'all, sw- y'all need to switch, switch yeah. it up. <laughs> that would have been an interesting. You should have been, been Sokka. You should have been Zuko because the 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 Zuko character he's was so broody. Too- was was broody but he was like so like he still had like this little gentle baby face and so even though i can't he even was remember like, what zuko's character the guy uh, who played zuko Duck patel from slumdog, slumdog. oh yeah yeah, so yeah he still had this like little gentle so even when he was like go gonna get the avatar it was just like yeah you go get him you go you're so cute you go get him go get the avatar like you didn't you didn't buy it mm-hmm. you didn't buy it even a little bit and then you go to look over at Sokka, and he's just like 
about to boil over at every moment, yeah, you would have made a better Zuko because that's Zuko energy right there. That's like, I'm ready to go. Like, yeah. I'm gonna, I want to go to war. Well, <laughs> 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 Well, you know what? It, at least he got his boomerang moment. He, th- he threw his he boomerang. He did have his boomerang. And yeah. good, good for him. And now is the time to point out that those three characters we've really talked about so far, Aang, Katara, and Sokka, were played by the white actors. <laughs> and now we get to we're the villains there. who are not well, played yeah, by a, the white actors. It's a pretty big, st- pretty big thing it's that a problem. happens a lot. Yeah, so there, there's two big, two big issues. One is that with those three being white actors, you then look at the background actors in those scenes in the Southern Water Tribe when the Fire Nation shows up, and all the other members of the Southern Water Tribe can have Inuit actors mm-hmm. or Asian American actors or whoever, the people of color mm-hmm. in those roles because they aren't the focus. They aren't the main people. They don't need to be white. But here comes the Fire Nation, and almost all of them are people of color. And I mean, good for casting people of color, but only as the bad guys, only yeah. as the background actors. Mm-mm. And here is Shyamalan saying, hey, look, I'm Indian. <laughs> Dev Patel is Indian. How, how am I racist? Oh, my God. In the yeah. way I cast this movie. I, I don't think we need to talk too much about it because, I mean, it's been beaten over the head. But no, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a big issue. Not by us. That only the, the main good guy people are white and everybody else whether it's evil people or background people those people can be people of color mm-hmm. so just wanted to throw that out there now let's talk is there any more we want to say about zuko himself i mean death mm. patel was arguably the only like actual famous kid of this cast jackson rathbone had been in twilight sure but death no, patel the, was the, hot off his oscar the older dude well, I said kid. He said kid. Oh, sorry. I, yeah. didn't, I did not hear that yeah. part. Um, my apologies. It's yeah. all right. So then, Dev yeah. Patel, I mean, Dev Patel was hot off an Oscar run. Like, yeah. He, he got the Oscar and then was cast as Zuko in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think that always kind of happens after you get nominated for mm-hmm. and win an Academy Award. Other project. You get into this other really stupid project. It's like, what's her name? Sandra Bullock coming off of The Blind Side. And I think it was... Not too soon after that, she did that movie with Melissa McCarthy. The Heat, I think. The Heat, yeah. I mean, that's horrible. It's a horrible movie. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's the same actress. Yep. Yeah. I think he had a very expressive face. Which one? Dev Patel. Was Uh, it Dev? Dev. Dev. Dev Patel. He has a very expressive face. I just think for the character of Zuko, you you needed that bubbling he needed to be frothy all the time. He needed mm. to be ready to murder people on the edge, not only displaying anger all the time, but that fiery passion of Zuko. Because that, that is where a lot of this kind of these, this reactivity comes from with Zuko is he's very devoted to what he's, what he's trying to accomplish. And I think... Th- there's a thread of that that comes across in the actual in the in the movie performance, but you don't get the aggressive. The aggressive doesn't come across as much as the I'm trying to defend my honor. Yeah, which he did well, but there, there's just that other aspect missing. Well, TV Zuko's anger is also reactionary in a more reasonable way. Like obviously, we, we've made comments in our discussions of the TV show 
man, chill out, Zuko. You're, yeah. you're, you're being super angry right now for no reason. All Uncle did was offer you some tea or like whatever. Yeah. There were moments of that in the movie, but uh, there, there, like one specific moment I wrote down when he first captured Aang and brought him on. They did the, the avatar test to, to see. They poured oh, like the elements yeah. in front of him to see if he reacted to them or they reacted to him. And he said, you're my prisoner. You're not going to escape this ship. This is a warship. <laughs> and he just like randomly shouted that one line. Yes. Yeah. That I do recall. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, yes. it's lots of random things like that. It's like, where did that come from? Where, yeah. At least in the TV show, there is oh, a yeah. line to be drawn. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was very much like Dumbledore and Goblet of Fire. <laughs> yeah. Did you put your name the Goblet of Fire? Yeah, like, kind of like that. The yeah. hell? <laughs> was he raging in the book? And I did not remember right, that. No. Right. No. And then. One of the bigger problems I actually have with Zuko in the movie is his conflict with Zhao, which isn't built in the same way. The stakes aren't the same as they are in the TV show. So the whole blue spirit scene that had 15 episodes almost built up in the TV show to to establish that conflict between Zhao and Zuko and the back and forth of them both trying to chase the Avatar. The blue spirit makes sense in that context. But here it's just like, who's that guy with the crazy hair and the mask? Mm-hmm. And it comes out of nowhere, and then there's no like emotional payoff when Aang is like, "Oh, that was Zuko." Yeah, and yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense. And then for them to have that conflict in the north after Zhao has tried to kill the Moon Spirit, there's just no history there. It's very surface level, all of mm-hmm. it. Because even with that whole reveal for Zhao to say, "Like I've I learned about this." readings years ago and have been thinking about it made it my life's mission it's my it's what i've been striving for to do because that's what my purpose here is to do just destroy the moon he said he found it a couple of weeks ago or whatever mm-hmm. when he was just like doing some reading and he was just, just like and talking to fire lord ozai about it about too. it and he's yeah. like he didn't mention it he told nobody about it yeah, it was something right. that he kept to himself yeah because it was supposed to be a secret for yeah, him and he discovered it as like a small uh, at least a young man. A young man, yeah. Yeah, I don't like. He, I don't know if he was a child, but he was definitely much younger before he was even. It just took out all Ozai. of the the importance of it. I felt like it took all the fire out of it. It took all like the ooh, that was such a that's such a cool thing to think about. Like something that he found to be his main purpose in life. He was like, oh yeah, I just came across it when I was reading. No. Yeah, yeah, and for him to conspire with the Fire Lord about it. I mean, we had a whole discussion about whether. Fire Lord Ozai was clued in on Zhao's yeah. knowledge yeah. of this or how Ozai would have reacted had Zhao been successful and had come back, whether Zhao would have tried to overthrow the Fire Lord. Right. We, we had all those kinds of discussions, but here they're, they're walking down the hallway in the fire palace and they're like, oh, <laughs> like, oh by the way, <laughs> it, it's to be a race to catch the Avatar then. Hmm. Jolly good. Oh and it, it, it was, it's really poor casting and th- like, there, there's obviously some poor casting going on all over the place in this yeah. movie, but I think that Zhao, Zhao might be the worst. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, yeah, because he doesn't even look I, the part. At least Noah Ringer looks like Aang, kind yeah. of. In the TV show, you have like goatee. You've got that menacing Jason Isaac's voice, yeah. Lucius Malfoy, like whispering down Zuko. I mean, he's a scary character in the TV mm-hmm. show. And here is this guy. He has that baby, presence. Yeah, he's got baby face. He's just walking around. He's like, there's nothing scary about him. He has a very distinctive voice too, mm-hmm. which isn't 
isn't deep, isn't no like growlith, like none of no, that. There's no menace. No menace whatsoever. And all I think of him is the, the convenience store owner from one of the Spider-Man movies. I think the oh. first Spider-Man <laughs> movie with Tobey Maguire. And that's, oh, yeah? <laughs> that's it. That's all I think of his little face. And it's not a general, no. even remotely scary I, and commanding an army. I about the casting of Iroh. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I I needed him to be like five foot three, like <laughs> that was a necessity for me for him to be just this like squatty little man. Yeah, like they they only took like oh Iroh's kind of a hippie. Let's find a dark skinned hippie and make him Uncle Iroh, mm-hmm. and then that was like literally all they looked for. They needed someone who blended in with the Fire Nation and was a hippie. And so they gave him long hair, this kind of like spacey voice, and that whole scene with the toys for the avatar, the the trinkets mm-hmm. for the avatar, and everything. That whole scene was just weird, yeah, because it was a the, basically the most we heard Iroh talk throughout the entire movie, true, and it just wasn't, it didn't okay. give anything Iroh like it. There was no Iroh vibes. No. I think I was even shocked when he came on scene. <laughs> You're like, wait, who's that supposed to be? I was like, be? who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you said, that is not Iroh. <laughs> because it wasn't. No. <laughs> it was not. Like, everything that we know and love about Iroh was not that man. No. The The whole, like, you know... Uh, the 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 weird kind of old man voice like that he does all the time like we needed that mm-hmm. because he didn't just need to be an older character he needed to be an elder mm-hmm. he needed to be that kind of like shoo away you're no threat to me kind of person with saged wisdom and enough firepower to to bust some things up like that is Iroh to the core mm-hmm. and we didn't get hardly any of that and I think this is a really good time to to really heap praise on Mako who is the voice of Iroh in the tv show mm-hmm. and how much that voice is important to that character yes and how he sounds and how he talks and his inflections mm-hmm. it's so important to that character and Though I like Sean Tube, I think he is a good actor in other projects I've seen him in. Right. It's just a bad fit here. And part it's it's possible because that character would just be hard to cast anyway. That's true. 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 I can but see that. All that aside, he is written poorly and the the personality of Iroh, voice aside, doesn't come through. No. You um, didn't get the old, you know, ancient tales and stories and things like that. You get a little bit when does he describe like the balance between the nations in the movie? Um, do we have that same little like cutaway where he's drawing the the nation symbols? Am I am I mixing no. things up? Okay, so well, no, we would, don't even have that. So there, I mean, that's something that we would that is like the epitome of Iroh is just like this backing wisdom. Like that is what the whole movie was missing was background. We were missing crucial information, and I think it would have been better off for us to have some kind of Iro narrator at some point as well. Mm-hmm. Katara can narrate too because she does the opening narration or whatever, but I didn't need to hear her voice over the character, especially when she was on screen. Cause I thought that was really weird to have a character narrating over themselves. You know what would have been cool is if they hadn't cut Avatar Roku as a character and replaced him with a dragon in the spirit world. 
And then you could have had the actor for Roku do the voiceover. Somebody who just doesn't have a presence except for like one scene maybe. And you could have even used the actual actor for Roku's voice. Like yeah. that'd be a great narration voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the guy who does previously on Avatar and the TV previously show. Previously on Avatar. It's great. Love it. Um, Love it. I, I quote it all the time for absolutely no reason. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, so, man. I mean, that's another problem. I don't think we need to go as deep into that, but the whole consolidation of Roku and the spirit world scenes yeah. into just the weird dragon thing that Aang immediately accesses when he goes into the avatar yeah, state. Don't love it. Not great. Don't love it. I also, I don't love that we get so much visually from the fire Lord because we Melanie, don't see him. I was no. about to say, Melanie, do you know what the fire Lord looks like in the TV show? No, no, no you don't because no, you we haven't not. seen him. That's the point. Do not see <laughs> him. Let alone see him like 17 times throughout right. the book, book one. Yeah. Just casually having conversation with no. Zhao. And Absolutely having not. Zuko's sister there. And that takes that takes the scariness away from Ozai as a character too, because right now in the TV show, I mean, we're meant to be terrified. He's of like, him. yeah, because he's supposed to be like head of Team Rocket, essentially, always yeah. shrouded. You never know who it is. You don't yeah. know what's going on. And that shrouding of mystery, like the kind of overlord that no one even really knows, besides like four people, and they're doing all of his bidding. Mm-hmm. Like that is terrifying. But for him to be just like having a meeting at the at the office mm-hmm. <laughs> like doesn't make any sense no <laughs> uh, idiot it's just it's it's frustrating to see to kind of see that breaking of character when it could have just been done like if it had been copied over it would have been just as effective mm-hmm. if not more so right i don't have any complaints about ua i think the actress who plays her is fine she, she looks, doesn't suck she, the the look transfers interesting fact about her i mentioned this while we were watching but the actress who plays ua is seychelle gabriel who goes on to voice a major character in legend of Korra. Hmm. um andrew might recognize this name melanie won't until we get to it but the name is asami for those who are listening who've seen legend of Korra. it's the same actress so i think that's the only person who's connected to both the movie and to the shows in some way the only reason i really wanted to mention her and mention that is because i have one final complaint about iroh which is that Iroh takes away Yue's and Zhao's choices at the ending of this movie, whereas both of those characters had the choices that they made in the TV show. So let me be more specific. Yue makes the decision in the TV show to sacrifice herself. All Uncle Iroh says is, you have been touched by the moon spirit after the moon spirit has been killed. That's it. End of of line. In the movie, Iroh is like, you could sacrifice yourself and give it back, you know? Which is weird because, A, <laughs> Ira would never say something like that to anyone. <laughs> yeah. And, B, completely undermines anything in the the actual sacrificial nature of UA's response. Right. It, it, it completely takes away her agency. It completely takes away the meaning of that. I mean, we don't get a lot of UA in the TV show, but because of that choice, she's so much more meaningful as a character. Mm -hmm. And that relationship with Sokka is a lot more meaningful as a result too. So I I hate that uncle takes that away, but then the final confrontation between Zuko and Zhao, uncle stops it. Mm -hmm. There's no fight between Zhao and Zuko in this movie. And I hate that Zuko isn't given that opportunity to face down this guy who has been like, trying actively to ruin Zuko's life. Yeah. That and that whole, I think you mentioned it too, when we get towards the end, because just because we're talking about the moon spirit, that whole stupid buildup that Aang was doing, Mm -hmm. all this 
all of this ominous music, all of this power coming, then, and then nothing. Oh yeah, we oh, don't. Freaking <laughs> the big way happened. <laughs> and then it just goes back. Show down. them the power of the ocean. And I looked at I looked at Chad, and he just started laughing. I think my face was buried, and I was I was ostriching most of the movie, the whole movie, just face buried into the couch. I did not want to see anything. It was it was whole body cringe. I looked at Chad, and I go. What, what just happened? Is that it? And that was goes, the power of the ocean. That yep. was it. Yep. That that was all. I was like, There's no, no, no kaiju moment. No. Man. No walking through the streets with the cleansing. No, at least like crashing down the waves on the the right. <laughs> on Nothing. The Flip like, them over at yeah. least. Just like right. No. Okay. Look. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. It it's really strange. It's not satisfying Mm-mm. as an ending nope. to this this fight anyway i is there anything else to say i think that's all the main no characters. i think we're just really the, bummed about the, the whole last thing let down yeah. <laughs> that's what it was yeah <laughs> it was just one more thing on the list so i mean there has been a lot of us sort of raging and like getting all up in our feelings about this but i hope that we've we've communicated some of the specific things that just completely don't work which is the main goal is to be critical and not just hate so thankfully, uh, w- this was the only one. <laughs> because I, thankfully- I said that too. I was like, "This, this set it up. man wanted yeah. more. Yeah, he wanted to do more he of this just to did us." Book one because he thought he was gonna do more. Yeah, and it, thank God did not happen. And thankfully, after this, we get to go back to talking about the TV show. Yes, now, and never have to think about this moment again. Two. This is something that we can, I guess, end on. There's another live action adaptation coming. Yes. It's a TV show. Yes. It's on Netflix. This is the one that the original creators walked away from again. Yes. That's not comforting. So right. which is why when they walked away, we had that little we had a little mini series yeah. about it of just like, what does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> like who are we are we in night Shyamalaning again? Right. Because please don't. If now, that's the case, just Netflix, shut it down. Abort. We don't need it. We've we got seen- it. We've seen the four main cast members. They are appropriately diverse. That's good. I have heard rumors of things that are coming out about story possible changes, uh, adjustments to ages and dynamics. Oh, it's because will, it's Netflix. It's because yeah. it's Netflix. And Netflix likes to do things that doesn't. It's not necessary. They, they're they're cranking it, cranking up the young adult. Yeah, kind of like we were kind of PG flirting with PG thirteen. And now we're PG-13 flirting with above. Yeah, they're, they're trying to definitely bring out the, the angst and the, the young love, I think. So, I mean, when it comes out, we'll talk about it. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're here to do. That was always part of the plan, knowing that that was on the horizon. So all we can do is hope that they capture some of what yeah. the original creators did in the original series. Because they, Shyamalan did not. No. Are we doing... Is it... One movie, or is it like mini series? It's. I believe that they have confirmed that the first season is like ten episodes. Oh, so I thought it was going to kind of be like Fear Street, where it was going to be three long movies or something. No, it's it's it's, it's going to be a proper series. And okay. it's going to be like ten episodes per book, and who knows if they change it to go beyond that? Mm-hmm. That's a possibility. Oh. I will say that now in twenty twenty one, even the crappy computer graphics are going to be 10 times better than and more affordable than mm-hmm. 
2010 graphics for especially for big screen yeah like netflix has the capacity to support an undergoing where things like element bending which is more than likely going to have to be some kind of cgi heavy experience Mm -hmm. is going to be more believable Mm -hmm. now the the positive spin on netflix doing their thing is that they have a vested interest in making it as good as they can because they have seen how popular avatar and Korra have mm-hmm. become on their platform since they added it yeah. a year ago. Yeah. So and how much traction it's gotten and things yeah. like that, even with new people, not just rewatching, but new people coming into the story. Yeah. So hopefully that, that gets the right juices flowing and mm-hmm. they, they're, they're making a better adaptation than Shyamalan did. One last thing before we, we sign off is that there's more official Avatar coming. Like there's Avatar Studios that Mike and Brian yep. are mm-hmm. heading yep. and actively involved in with Nickelodeon. And they're developing a new movie and they're developing a new TV show. And so we've got actual official new content coming. Who does, who does Nickelodeon go into? Paramount. Paramount. Oh, so they would be on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus when they stream. So all of that said, I think we have beat this dead horse into the ground. And never can speak of it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the end of the 19th episode of Crossroads of Destiny. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hopefully this was uh, therapeutic for maybe some people. Like, I'm sure it was a little bit therapeutic for us, just listening to people rage about this. Yeah, got to get that off your chest every now and again. Just let it out. Reach out and tell us how much you are in your feels about this movie with us on Twitter at X Roads Pod. We also have a Facebook page, X Roads Pod. Please go over to Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating and a review, hit that subscribe button. It's free. Uh, you are welcome to email us ideas or feedback to xroadspod at gmail.com. And hey, we'd love to get a voicemail from you. You can call us at 3145 Yip Yip. That is 314 594 7947. Keep it around a minute or hey, heck. A little bit longer. If it's good, we'll put it on the show. Andrew, where can people find you online? I'm invisible. <laughs> invisible. You can find him through the official account, Twitter, or through Melanie and I. Melanie, where can people find you? They can find me at MelanieAmanda44, and that is my Instagram. And then the best place for me is on Twitter, at Shadadada. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. If you like to hear me talk about new, like, positive movie thoughts you can go to my movie podcast which is the cinescope podcast you can find it at cinescope pod on twitter or the cinescope podcast.com then there's an american workplace which is my office tv rewatch podcast you can find it at workplace pod on twitter or workplacepodcast.com. show notes and contact information for this show can be found at our website xroadspod.com and that is all everybody thank you once again for listening thanks for tuning in we will talk to you in episode 20 when we revisit all of season one before we dive into season two Bye, everybody. Bye. Adios.